Welcome to Quarantine Spook Show. I'm Kyle Carezzi. All on the farm is quiet, except for the crickets. The animals are asleep, and the Venus flytrap is well fed. I can't tell you what I, what I fed it with, because it's very spooky. It was human flesh, but that's besides the point. It's the Venus flytrap's favorite. I'm going to pull some cards for some unseen titles, and then I'll play, I'll play some improvised spooks. The first title is the Ark of the Whole Night, and then the next card will be the first spook. The set of tonight's stories is called Gin and Juice. And the first story is called The Tooth Collector. said, I sure do love gin and juice. And then Roger next to him at the bar said, yeah, Benny, Benny, you told us. Benny said, yeah, it's like the, like the Snoop Dogg, Snoop Dogg song. And then Roger's just like, yeah, we know, we all know the song. And Benny says, you know, I just love gin, you know. This bar just has some real top shelf gin, you know of the tapestry, if you will, of wonderful citrus flavors, some flowers, some grassy herbs and all of that. And Roger said, yeah, that's, that's cool. The bartender stood behind the bar, rubbing a glass bartender in the background of a movie or something. They're always rubbing glasses with cloths and all that. And he said, oh, you should uh, try our select option that just came in. And then Benny said, oh yeah? What's that? And the bartender shrugged and said, I don't know, I never tried it before. Oh, I know it's called tooth grinder and Roger says tooth grinder that's a weird choice in branding for gin and the bartender said yeah it seems like a seems like a young company I guess I don't think they really know what their uh, target audience is yet I just we had this liquor that came in called hogwash you know maybe they're going for a machismo thing 
but most people just want good liquor, whether it tastes good or it gets the job done. It's not like those weird, uh, endless martini drinks you get at Applebee's, where they just have like a tub of, uh, pretty much gasoline or vodka, and then just like the sugary blue stuff and call it fancy. Benny says, no, that's right. This bar has the best drink options in, I'd say, in a 150-mile radius. And the bartender nodded and said, Benny, I appreciate that. You know what? How about you try this new bottle of gin on the house? I'll pour you a shot. And then Benny said, oh, that's great, you know. So the bartender pours a shot of gin into Benny's glass. And then Benny had a sip. Uh, swished it in his mouth a little bit, you know, like he was doing some wine tasting, you know. Let it reach every crevice in his mouth, between his teeth, beneath his tongue. Even on those uh, little mouth faucets that uh, produce saliva. And then he swallowed the gin. He's just like, yeah, that was really good. You know what? I'll order another shot. And he put it on my tab. And the bartender said, all right, yeah, I gotta try it for myself sometime the bartender secretly never tried any of the drinks he served at the bar. Not that he didn't like alcohol or couldn't handle it. But as he connotated it with work, he didn't try every bottle that shipped to the bar. But maybe on Benny's recommendation, he might try it someday. So Benny sipped it, you know, smacked his lips a little, little bit. And it's just like, yeah, yeah, tooth grinder. I, and I get it. And Roger's just like, well, why do, you, why do you get it? Why would it be called tooth grinder? And Benny just said, I don't know. It just kind of really feels good on my teeth, I guess, you know. I got a lot of plaque on my teeth, so when I put the gin on, it's just like, oh, yeah, it's a nice little coating. And Roger's just like, Benny, you should brush your teeth. Seriously. <laughs> And Benny was just like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get to it. So he kept drinking the gin. He drank it slow so he could enjoy it. And then as the night, night progressed, he ordered more gin. And by the end of the night, at about uh, 1.30, uh, the bar was doing last call. Roger said, Benny, I think you're really fucked up from this gin. And Benny's just like, nah, I think it's just great. You see, one thing Roger knew about Benny was Benny was a very stoic drunk. Even if he was super inebriated, no one would be able to tell unless they knew Benny really well. And then Roger said, alright, Benny, I'm gonna walk you home. So he grabs Benny by the belt and shoulder starts walking him out. And luckily they lived in walking distance of that bar. It was the neighborhood bar. And Benny and Roger were also neighbors. So it wasn't a long walk. Or much of a hassle for Roger to walk Benny back to his place. And, you know, Roger let Benny into the house and then got into his bed and then laid him on his side and then just left and then went back to his house. 
this cramped little townhouse, and uh, he just went to sleep immediately. So Roger wakes up the next morning, and he sees a, a peculiar set of text messages on his phone, and they're all from Benny. first one said, hey Roger, can you come over? I need your help with something. The, se the second text message said, hey Roger, can you come over? I need your input and feedback on something. And then the third text said, dude, Roger, come over right now. And Roger, you know, not having much to do that morning, he's just like, oh, I guess I can swing by, you know, I wonder what he wants. So, uh, Roger walked over to Benny's place and let himself in because they were buds that way. Roger said, hey, Benny, you around? And then Benny said, yeah, in the kitchen. And the sound of Benny's voice, it was kind of like muffled in a way. And Roger was just like, oh, I wonder what the deal with that is. He goes into the kitchen and he sees Benny holding an old-fashioned toaster with a reflective surface and then Roger says oh Benny what's up and then Benny looks up and looks at Roger and then Roger sees what Benny was looking at all of Benny's teeth were broken down halfway through it's like something eroded at his teeth like they were all crumbled like he got into a really bad fight or a car accident it's like all of his teeth, they look like they were shattered in half. And Roger said, oh, Jesus Christ, what happened? And Benny said, I don't know, I just woke up like this, you know? So my teeth were just, like, broken away, and they're still breaking. They're little shards, and they're cutting my gums, and it's extremely painful. And Roger says, oh, Jesus Christ, Benny, we gotta take you to a hospital, or at least a dentist. It's a dental emergency! Benny said, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, uh, okay. So they go to the dentist, and Roger checks him in, and he's just sitting in the lobby, you know, staring at fish. And then uh, about an hour passes by, and then a dentist escorts Benny out. And then it says, yeah, we can do a proper dental surgery uh, for this, uh, like, in another week. So we put some caps on them, some, like, plastic caps, uh, so we can still, like, eat and stuff and still function in some way. But obviously you got to go for the soft stuff, you know, smoothies if you can. I know it would be a tough week eating all liquid, Benny, but, you know, it's just part of the process. And then Benny said, okay, okay. So Roger brings Benny home. Benny's pretty sedated. And then, uh, Benny just says, Alright, thanks, Roger. Thanks for all you're doing, but I just gotta, you know, sleep this off. I'm just gonna take the rest of the day off and just kinda sit with this a little bit. And Roger says, Alright, well, just call or text me if you need anything, and I'll come over and help out how I can. And Benny said, Okay, thanks. So a week goes by, and Roger hasn't heard from Benny at all. 
wonders what was up. He tries calling, but just goes to voicemail. So Roger goes to Benny's house. He walks in, he's like, Benny, are you here? Do you want me to drive you to your surgery or something? And then Benny said, oh, I don't need it. So Roger goes, sees Benny in the living room. He's just like watching TV. Not cable, but he hooked up like Hulu or Netflix or Shutter or something onto his TV. He doesn't have a cable subscription, you know, because, you know, cable is kind of just tanking. It's really sad if you watch live cable, but that's a different discussion. And then, you know, Roger says, Benny, what's, what's going on? You haven't, haven't heard from you. And Benny said, oh, yeah, I'd figure out the whole teeth thing, you know, taking care of. See? And then he smiles. Lo and behold, he has a, a bunch of shiny, you know, teeth. And Roger's just like, oh, you did the surgery already. Did they move you up? And Benny's just like, no, no, I, I handled it myself, you know. I don't have the best dental insurance, so I just had to, like, improvise, you know. And then Roger's like, uh-huh. And then he looks at Benny's teeth, and he sees that every tooth is a different shape and different size. His two front teeth were canines. In a place where a canine should be, he had a molar. And Roger said, Benny, what did you do? And Benny said, well, you know, I just, you know, it's expensive to get, like, new, newly installed teeth and all that. So I improvised, and I collected, you know, just got my own teeth, you know. And Roger's just like, how did that work? And Benny's just like, well, I didn't get all the teeth from one place. It kind of took a while, but I just kind of, you know, I just, I, I'm telling you this because you're my close friend, but I just, I pretty much broke into people's houses and yanked out their one tooth at a time and put them all together in my mouth. And Roger's just like, Benny, that's fucked up. And then Benny said, well, no, I, you know, I tried, I left some money under their pillow because trying to do like a tooth fairy thing and also kind of just as a form of payment, it's just like, hey, thanks for the tooth, you know little thank you note, you know, I did it in like nice little like, cool purple ink, you know, just to show my appreciation. And Roger said, Benny, you stole a bunch of people's teeth. And then Benny said, yeah, yeah, I did. And the meals have not been better. You know, and I've been going back to that bar and just, I got, I got myself my own bottle of that gin. You mean tooth grinder? And then Benny says, yeah, yeah, it's really good if you want to try it. And Roger says, Benny, so you've, you stole a bunch of people's teeth and then put them in your mouth. And then when you finished, you started drinking all day. And Benny was like, yeah, I guess so. And then Roger was just like, Benny, don't you think that it could have been the gin called Tooth Grinder that actually like broke down your teeth? Benny was just like, uh, I mean, maybe, you know, but I smoke cigarettes, so, you know, take it as it comes. And Roger was just like, well, all the teeth you got, they're just going to break down anyway. And Benny said, yeah, you're right, I haven't really thought about that. Alright, Roger, thanks for the feedback. And Roger was just like, alright, well, Benny, I'm getting out of here, you know, I'm going to leave you to your gin and juice or whatever, and I'm going. And then, you know, Benny's just like, see yourself. 
Also, you know, it's been several weeks since Roger has seen or talked to Benny. <clears throat> and to be honest, he was starting to miss him a bit. But he kind of figured if he was turning into a psychopath that stole a bunch of people's teeth, you know, he didn't really want to hang out with them. He would see more local stories about, uh, people's houses being broken into, having one of their teeth taken at a time. And then it escalated to two teeth at a time, three teeth. Roger realized, you know, Benny must be going on a teeth-stealing fren frenzy, drinking all the tooth grinder gin, having his teeth break down, and stealing teeth from the entire neighborhood. So Roger decided to confront Benny once and for all about this. So he, uh, goes to Benny's house and sees that there are several new locks on the front door. But he, know that, he knows that there's a back window that's loose. So he breaks in that way. And he says, Benny, Benny, are you here? And then Roger walks around the house. And sees there's a lot of... <clears throat> tooth decor. All throughout the house. And all different kinds of teeth, too. Not just from humans, but from animals, gorillas, cats, beavers cheetahs, possums. And then Roger's just like, oh my god. And then he sees Benny in the, in his, on his couch in his living room in front of the television watching it. Laughing at something on Netflix and drinking a bottle of uh, tooth, grind, tooth grinder gin. Roger just said, Benny, what, what ha what's going on? And Benny said, well, Roger, just waiting to share with you my new hobby. I've started collecting teeth. I've been doing more traveling, taking as much teeth as I can, learning all about dental hygiene and all that. I brush and brush. I brush my teeth 12 times a day, but my teeth still erodes. So I always have to get more teeth. And I've been taking so much teeth that it's just I've just decorated my house, you know, all with teeth throughout the world. I'm like a very well-seasoned traveler at this point, you know, learning about teeth all along the globe. And Roger says, Benny, this is fucked up. I gotta tell people about what you're doing. And then Benny said, yeah, you, you can, but before you do, I want to take you into my office. Roger says, your office? And Benny says, yeah, yeah, come look. So, reluctantly, uh, Roger is led to Benny's office, which is just a dental office with a dental chair and all that, some charts that he kind of just, like, scribbled on a kid's coloring book with crayon, not actual medical charts. A lot of doodles of teeth all around the room. And he says, you see, I've been traveling the world trying to find a perfect teeth that can join the collection of my house and the collection of my mouth, but it didn't occur to me that I have a perfect set of pearly whites right here. And then he 
patted Roger on the shoulder. And then Roger said, you're not talking about my teeth. And Benny said, don't you mean my teeth? And then Benny smiled. And Roger looked into Benny's mouth and saw that he had three sets of teeth, both on the top of his mouth and the bottom of his mouth, all from different varieties of humans, different species from the animal kingdom. It was the most horrifying grin he's ever seen. Dozens of teeth just shining at him. And some of them already breaking away from all the gin he's been drinking. So Benny says, now, Roger, I'm really, I've become really good at this procedure. If you just sit in the chair, it'll be quick and painless. And your teeth can go to where they rightfully belong. Roger's just like, no, this is, Benny, you're psychotic. <laughs> and Benny said, no, I'm just, I've seen the light. I'm just, I'm just a little drunk, but otherwise, I'm very lucid in my ideals for the ultimate tooth collecting. So before Roger can react, Benny grabs Roger, ties him to the chair. Roger squirms, tries to get out. over Roger and before he starts the procedure he says alright Roger tooth abduct abduction is not a joke <laughs> if you know someone who's abducting teeth please seek counsel we have some numbers that we can prescribe. <laughs> prescribe? Yeah. This next story is called uh, Lally Hanky? <laughs> Lacey Hanky. Probably Lacey Hanky. I'm going to say it's Lacey Hanky. However it's written is going to be how it's... Lally Hanky, that sounds interesting. It's, it's L-A, presumably a C, presumably an L. Alright, let's get to see. Let's go with Lacey Hanky.
Fran let out a cough as she had something caught in her throat. <clears throat> it was only her first two weeks in the marketing department for Tooth Grinder, the alcohol and gin company. She's never had the gin herself. But she cast a wide net in the jo jobs she, she was applying for. But she already considered She already considered her job at Tooth Grinder a little strange. She didn't really trust the fact that her first uh, conference she had to go to, she would be accompanied by a new mascot for Tooth Grinder. He was simply known as Benny, the Tooth Collector. He's apparently become well-known all around the world about collecting teeth. And despite using those teeth for sinister ends, it didn't mean much to, much to the eyes of the public. Because he brought the hobby of tooth collecting to a new light. All of the intricacies of teeth and dental care preservation of teeth. He was even in a sub-branch of taxidermy. And Fran didn't understand why why this guy Benny was now working on behalf of Tooth Grinder Gin. She assumed it had to do with the aligned with the brand because it was called Tooth Grinder. Benny was a tooth enthusiast. Those were the only dots she could connect. And even starting on the job, she had a she heard a wide array of complaints that Tooth Grinder was breaking down people's teeth and making them go insane. And when she met Benny, it was it seemed like it was a clear case study in that. She first met him at the airport before they left. He was very charismatic, gave a big shiny grin. And she was just like, oh wow, he has really nice teeth. And they won the flight together. Uh, they rode first class, which, since Tooth Grinder was a little known uh, gin manufacturing company, Fran didn't quite understand how they had the funds to ride their marketing people first class, but she didn't really question it as much as she probably should have. But they talked about the usual things you talk on a flight, you know, like uh, baseball, I guess, television. Marvel Comics, 
Marvel's friend didn't know that Benny was also into reading Marvel, just like, yeah, I was reading Moon Knight, that was really cool, and friends was like, oh yeah, I was just re revisiting Frank Miller's, you know, Daredevil run, it's great. They had a more enthralling conversation than she she expected. So they land where the convention is in St. Louis. Louis. And the convention the convention is more about you know. The art of alcohol, essentially. There's gin, absinthe, beer, vodka, whiskey. It was really a who's who and who made a good liquor. But she was pretty much, you know, just like working their corner of the teeth grinder uh, area at the conference, you know, she was networking, you know, talking about business prospects, talking about ways to ship internationally and how to, talks about different licenses for how to distribute alcohol and all that. And she asked what they wanted her to specifically do at this conference. They just said, just make sure that, you know, that Benny is like well treated there, you know, that he meets a lot of people, he has a good time. Make any good networks and contacts that you can. And friends just like, alright, sure. Seems simple enough. Seems like an easy way to get a free trip. So they're waiting in a near restroom area. Outside of the restrooms with a long hallway. Which is essentially like a long lobby, you know. There's a someone walked by with a very strong scented perfume. And Fran's eyes started to water. And she didn't know it was in that perfume, but she assumed that she was allergic to it to some capacity. So she pulls out a lacy hanky and wipes her eyes. And Benny's standing next to her. And he says, oh, what's, what, what's that you have there? And Fran says, what? Oh, no, it's just, a, it's just a hanky. And Benny says, oh, a hanky. That's a, that's a very beautiful and fine hanky. And then Fran says, oh, yeah, uh, thank you, you know. It's kind of like a family heir heirloom, I guess, you know, says, you know, says it was first crafted in the 1850s in France, I was just passed on through my family through the generations, and I usually usually use it occasionally, usually just, uh, you know, to wipe away just, like, simple fluids, like tears and stuff, and I wash it consistently and delicately, because it is a very delicate hanky, and Benny said, yeah, it sure is. you know, meeting a who's who and booze, you know, some people at Brewski Beer, um, Pesticide Whiskey, Dark Hat Vodka, 
Smooth Rock Gin, the ultimate rival of Tooth Grinder. So eventually, uh, Benny and Fran are getting lunch together. There's a network of uh, small restaurants across the street. Benny says, oh, can I see that lacy hanky again? And Francis is like, yeah, sure, sure. And then she hands it to Benny. And then he holds the lacy hanky, feels it with his thumbs and fingers, and rubs it against his face. He even snorts a big whiff of it. Fran's just like, oh, Benny, I need that back. And he's just like, oh, yes, sorry. Sorry, my mind drifted there. And Fran's just like, okay, sure. But that was her sign that, uh, to keep her distance from Benny throughout this trip. So, uh, night comes, and they're both there in, the hotel, in their hotel. Both of their hotel rooms are next door to each other, but they have their own separate rooms, separate, separate bathrooms and stuff. And she eventually feels like she has to blow her nose, but the bathroom's far away across the room, so she tries to reach into her purse instead. But as she goes through her purse, she can't find the hanky. And eventually has to settle for sneezing on a pillowcase. And she gets a little panicky, like, where's, where's, where's my lacy hanky? She goes through her purse and then her belongings and all that. And she's like, no, I couldn't have dropped it. I've never done that before. I always tuck it in a very secure spot, either in my purse or in one of my pockets. Oh, I had to have when, when she thought about it. She thought, could Benny have taken my lacy hanky? No, she thought of it as she thought of it as plausible. So, wanting to find this lacy hanky back. gets dressed and leaves her room and then goes to Benny's door and knocks. It takes him a long time to answer the door. She can hear some fumbling behind the door. And eventually he answers. He looks very tired like he just woke up. And he said, yeah. And Fran takes a closer look at him. She sees that he has no teeth. Fran said, oh, I didn't know you. And Benny was like, come in, come in, hold on. So he invites Fran in his room. He turns on the light. And goes to a... He finds a glass filled with water next to a set of dentures uh, with the teeth that he had uh, when he met Fran. And he put them in his mouth and got acclimated with them. And Benny said, all right, so you were saying... 
friend was just like, oh, I, I didn't know you had dentures or anything like that. And then Benny said, yeah, I have, uh, I have a set of dentures for every day of the week, every two weeks. Usually when I travel, I bring 14 dentures with me, so I can always have some on hand. I like to mix it up. Mostly they're human teeth, but sometimes I have like a human teeth with like one alligator tooth in it. If I'm feeling really devilish, I have like all shark teeth. And Fran was just like, alright, well, anyway, um, I don't know if I, I guess I let you use my hanky a couple of times today. And I don't know if you still had it with you. Usually I wouldn't be finicky, finicky about something like this, but it is like a family heirloom, and if you do have it by mistake, like pocketing a lighter or something, you know, I'd really appreciate if, you know, I could have it back. And Benny said, yeah, yeah, I hear that. Um, I, I did have your hanky, but no longer. And Fran was just like, oh, do, do you remember giving it back? Or like, did you leave it somewhere? And... Benny said, well, no, it's not that. It's just, you know, I mean, you are an employee for Tooth Grinder, right? My friend's just like, yeah. She said, you know, getting a bit puzzled at this point. And Benny said, well, as an employee of Tooth Grinder, uh, that hanky is the property of Tooth Grinder, you know. It's, really, it's a really nice, stellar hanky, really, but, you know, I thought I'd give it to tooth grinder where it belongs, you know. They make some really great gin, and I think they can put a lot of good use of that hanky. Fran is just like, what are you what are you talking about? And then Benny said, well, I don't know if you read your tooth grinder contract. Uh, you relinquished a lot of your say in a lot of things, you know. I don't know if you read it carefully, you know. It wasn't in legalese or anything. Pretty much all you own, all of your assets, even people that you love, now belong to Tooth Grinder. And Fran is just like, no, that's that's psychotic, no. And then Benny's just like, ah, it's not the first time someone said that to me. And then Fran was just like, well, where's my hanky, though? And then Benny said, well, I mailed it to Tooth Grinder. Probably in their offices somewhere. I don't know. Fran, not really processing what's happening. She's just like, all right, I don't know what to do about this. I'm just gonna. She speaks out loud about her thoughts, and she's like, well, I'll just quit or whatever. You know, once I get my hanky back, I'll just get out of this. And then Benny said, oh no, there's no quitting tooth grinder. You've signed up for life. Didn't you read the contract? I mean, I kind of know how you feel, you know. When I was a kid, I'd watch television shows and movies that talked about uh, signing contracts and then characters get fucked over by seeing something in the contract that they didn't see before when they signed it and they have to abide by it or have to fight against abide by abiding by it. But then as an adult, I now see the value of reading the whole contract before you sign it. And Fran's just like, no, I'm getting out of here, you know. And Benny says, no, I kind of know how you feel, you know. You know, I was 
Before I had Tooth Grinder, I was lost. Didn't know who I was. I will just drink like, you know, just low shelf gin or whatever. But now I drink Tooth Grinder. The best drinker, drink around. I drink it all the time. And therefore I feel good all the time. So yes, you should... And then Fran cuts him off and says, No, no, I, I gotta get out of here. Benny says, oh, but there is no I, because there is no you. You are Tooth Grinder, and I am Tooth Grinder, and together, we are Tooth Grinder. And Fran just starts to freak out more. She just storms out of the room. She thinks about going, stopping by her hotel room to pick up her things, but she already has her valuables on her, so she just kind of bails. And then Benny just, as, as Fran is... Running down the hallway, Benny just slowly leans out of his doorway, and he says, Fran, Tooth Grinder is forever. That kind of like fucking creepy roll, man. What was that? Yeah, a creepy roll. Yeah, it's good, it's good creeping going on in the story. Yeah. <laughs> Signing contract, reading contracts before signing them are very important. Yeah. If you or a loved one signs contracts before reading them, see counsel. We have some numbers to supply <laughs> on how to maneuver through this world because a lot of people will try to fuck you over if you let them. Or not let them. I don't know. Life is complicated. Read contracts. <laughs> This next story is called This Bitch. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, uh, it's it's very fitting for where this story is going. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> drives her Prius, parks it in front of Tooth Grinder headquarters. She recalls the conversation she has with her lawyer when she landed from the St. Louis conference. She gives him the contract and the lawyer reads it. And he says, yeah, well, why would you sign this? You're essentially signing your life away with this contract. Fran was just like, yeah, but I needed the money, though. I'm like, you know, not everyone's into, like, working jobs and all that. And her lawyer says, yeah, but you really fucked yourself over with this one. I mean, you can make claims to not abide by this stuff, sure. But in the meantime, you're gonna, you know, it's, it's a real hassle on your part. I mean, I'll fight for you in court so you don't have to deal with this bullshit, but I don't think I can get your hanky back. Well, I mean, 
Benny heard me vent about quitting and stuff, but I haven't technically quit yet, so maybe I can go to the office and tr try to get the hanky back. And the lawyer says, well, I guess that lacy hanky means a lot to you. But, you know, trying to get that hanky back, it's, you know, if you try to break an entry into the headquarters, it's going to be really hard to defend you in court. Fran says, no, no, I'll just, you know, say I got back from the conference, you know, said it, like, went bad or, like, or something, or maybe talk about Benny or whatever. But I think if I just go back into, you know, the offices, I could just try to find the hanky, you know, try to go to the CEO floor or something. Which the headquarters is nine floors, nine floors, but the the high-end executive floors on the sixth floor, which is very peculiar, you know. And the lawyer says, well, not everything's from a TV or comic book, you know. The most paid, the highest paid people at a company doesn't have to be on, like, the top floor of a building, you know, like, it's, this isn't a cartoon. And Francis is like, no, I guess not. So Fran continues to reflect on this conversation she had with her lawyer, sitting outside her office at the headquarters of Tooth Grinder, located on Swan Island in Portland, Oregon. She's just like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. So she parks in her spot and goes up to Tooth Grinder she enters the lobby, which is very large and spacious, but very sterile in its decor. She always found it grotesque when she worked there. She's relieved that she doesn't have to work there any longer. But she just has to fake it long enough to get her lacy hanky back. holds memories to her deceased mother and deceased grandmother. And she wants to hold that lineage tight, so if she has children for herself someday, she can pass along the hanky. And that child will have memories of her with the hanky. As well as all, as well as all the people that came before her. She goes to the front desk, you know. She uh, talks to the secretary uh, there, the receptionist, uh, Carol, you know. She works, uh, she's employed under a different security firm that's uh, employed by Tooth Grinder. Not technically a Tooth Grinder employee, but a contractor. So she always felt that she could vent about uh, working at Tooth Grinder to her. Fran, knowing that she left her badge in her hotel, she goes to Carol and says, Hey, Carol, uh, I gotta get to my office for work, but uh, I misplaced my badge. Uh, can you just let me in, buzz me in for the day or get me a new badge or something? And then Carol says, Yeah, okay, just let me get, make a call. And then when Carol picks up the phone, Fran could have sworn that she heard Carol mutter under her breath, This bitch. Fran is just like, Carol just... Bitch, what? 
So Carol speaks on the phone. She speaks quietly, so Fran can't hear. And then Carol said, Alright, yeah, you can go to your office, but they want you to stop by the sixth floor first. Fran says the sixth floor, and that's where the CEO is, the CFO, all the executives for Tooth Grinder and all that. She's just like, okay, well, I guess it's likely that they have my hanky, so I guess it's a good thing. So she starts to get on the elevator, and then uh, Carol says, oh, Bruce will escort you. Bruce is a security guy, just wearing all yellow, also working for the same security firm that Youth Grinder has employed. And he's just like, ah, oh, don't worry, don't worry, Fran, I'll protect you. He says in a jovial matter. So they get on the elevator together. You know, the elevator rides up. Bruce stands next to her, you know, in a very unassuming way. He considers uh, working security at Tooth Briner a pretty easy gig so far. And Brian just kind of thinks, you know, Tooth Briner manufactures gin. They don't sell any other alcohols. They don't sell to many locations nationally or internationally. So why do they have such a large, extravagant corporate office? So they make it to the sixth floor. And then another security guy is there. And then Bruce uh, and Fran walk up to the security guy. And Bruce leans to the other security guy's ear and whispers, uh, this bitch, and then walks off. And Fran was just like, could you just call me a bitch? What's, what's going on? And the security guy, who's uh, a lot less jovial, is just like, alright, this way. And she's never been to the sixth floor before. It is, you know, the way she would describe the lobby, she would call it as, like, phony immaculate. The executive floor, they really, since a lot of people with a lot of money walk in, they really want to oppress him, or whatever. She didn't really think much of the decor, but that's what she assumed that they were going for. She did work in marketing, and she has insight to these things. So she goes into the CEO's office, she walks in, and then she sees the CEO, the CFO, and Benny sitting in his chair, smiling at her, waving, with a different set of teeth that she saw him wear when they first met. And then CEO says, Ah, Fran, good to see you, you know. Please sit down. Fran reluctantly sits down. CEO says, oh yeah, how's the conference and all that? And Fran was just like, well, not great. I mean, you know, you know, uh, Benny here, he took my hanky and he says he like mailed it to you. And then CEO said, oh yeah, yeah. Your lacy hanky. Yeah, we do still need that, but we'll give it back to you at some point. So, friend, how are you having a good time? 
working with Tooth Grinder. And Fran, you know, feeling like she had nothing to lose, was just like, well, to be honest, no. I mean, Benny made some horrible claims that I don't have any uh, stake in my life anymore. I have no, you know, no choice in the things that I do or anything. I think that's a pretty weird thing for a company to do. The CEO laughed in a very sterile, mechanic way, just like, ha 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 ha. Well, I mean, a lot of companies operate that way, you know? It's part of what makes us successful, seeing people as machines that can't break down. If it worked for Amazon, it can work for us. See, friend, we're trying to build here. And we need you on the team and to commit build this great prosperous thing and Fran said yeah okay that's a you know a lot of companies probably say that but uh the two things are one you stole my hanky and I'd like that back and two you sell gin so I don't really know how this is you know I don't really know what you're getting at Benny gave Fran a cold look and he looked at the CEO CEO said, Fran, have you ever tried tooth grinder gin? Fran said, well, no, I haven't. And the CEO said, why don't you, here, I, keep, I always keep a bottle under my desk, you know, while the executives are drinking, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and the CFO and Benny laugh. Just had the joke. It's like, yeah, we're pretty much drunk all day. Ha ha ha. So he pours a shot and hands it to Fran. The CEO says, go on. Well, just go ahead and try it. So Fran, not really trusting the situation, who doesn't want to antagonize matters, she just has the tiniest little sip of tooth grinder gin. says, oh, wow. And then CEO says, yeah. And Fran says, that's, that's really good. And that's so, whoa, I didn't know gin could taste like that. And the CEO says, yes, that's right. So you see why we have to keep your hanky, you know. We're a small, fledgling company. But your hanky has the fluids of generations upon generations. Fran's just like, uh, what? And the CEO says, well, we need it for research, you know. I don't know what you think we put in this gin. We like to call it the mystery batch. We've experimented with the recipe over and over. It took many years, you know. We finally perfected a recipe to give it to the right financiers to help us fund this office building and help spread our reach world worldwide. And then Benny said, "Yeah, I was just like a barfly, you know, before I had uh, before I had this tooth grinder gin, but now I'm a world-renowned tooth collector and a proud employee of this company." 
CEO said, yeah, that's right, Fran. So, to make such perfect gin, we need to research all fluids. And as you can imagine, we can't have much access to fluids of different generations past, you know. So we need it for research. We need to see different lineage of your family. All the mucus and saliva and teardrops that they shed on this cloth. We need to analyze it to extract the most perfect fluid possible and then put it in our gin. And Fran says, that doesn't sound like how gin manufacturing works. CEO and Benny laughed, and they said, uh, this isn't just gin. And then Fran said, oh, well, um, can, can I, uh, can I have the rest of the shot? And then the CFO said, oh, please, yeah, enjoy. And then Fran pretty much downs it in one gulp. And she says, oh, fuck, that's good. Alright, yeah, I'll do... Alright, you can hang on to the hanky for a little bit longer, but I do need it back at some point. The CEO, CEO, the CEO says, of course, Fran. We would never lie to you. This story is called If I Okay If I hit myself In the head One more time <laughs> I'll <laughs> I mean I can relate like, I'm too tall for that fucking rabbitry. <laughs> I'm constantly hitting my head and freaking out the rabbits. But these are not non-fiction spooks. suddenly woke up at her office desk and hit her head on the lamp. She's like, oh, if I fucking hit my head one more time, I'll... She didn't finish her sentence, just rubbed her bruise. Ever since she tried the gin and tooth grinder and decided to play ball, she started to drink all the time. 
she's drunk all the time. And in her, in her drunkenness, she realized that everyone else in the office and the corporate building were also drunk. Not just drunk on the alcohol, that would be one thing. But the tooth grinder gin did something else. There was something else that Teeth Grinder did to the brain. She couldn't quite put her finger on it. But she was also a bit too drunk to figure it out. She found the more gin she drank, her teeth would break away and then vanish. To the point where she'd have no teeth. And then she realized why Benny was hired tooth grinder. You see, he collected teeth worldwide and figured out that he can keep drinking tooth grinder by just stealing teeth and putting it in his mouth. Eventually, Benny started his own company as a subsidiary of tooth grinder. Where they were just like gather teeth around the world. co-conspire co co with denti dentist office to steal teeth. There was actually actually one scandal where they were almost caught with a supermarket chain uh, distributing asparagus, asparagus to make people's teeth fall out. But that's a separate story. But Benny found a way to bring in teeth on, on a regular basis. So the corporate level of Tooth Grinder were able to drink this gin all the time. And if their teeth broke apart and fell out, there was always a new batch. So they could always replace their teeth. So they never had to worry about the side effects of Tooth Grinder. Not the physical ones, at least. Not like the clientele, where gin enthusiasts around the country and world just drink this gin and have their teeth break apart, and then not be able to find the resources to repair their teeth and have to remain that way. But the employees at Tooth Grinder, they were having new teeth come in on the fly, thanks to Benny and his uh, sub-company. Fran tried not to think too much about uh, his dealings, you know, working with corrupt dentists or people that would steal teeth or even what the Tooth Fairy thought of it. She tried not to think about it too much. But no, she was drunk on gin all the time. But she couldn't pinpoint what else was happening to her brain. She knew it made her more clumsy. Not to the drinking, just clumsy in life. She felt like her consciousness, consciousness was being diminished in some way. Even if you're drunk, you still... It'll lower your inhibitions, but you still have some awareness somewhere. But with this gin, it shrunk something 
lot more valuable besides just immediate uh, motor skills and sensory abilities. But she missed her hanky. Every day she would wake up and hit her head and then kind of think, alright, today's the day where I confront the CEO about my hanky and when I'm getting it back. But she'd always put it off. She didn't know it was her own lack of willpower or if it was the gin taking effect, making her more psychotic in ways she didn't understand, putting blinders on her. So then one day she decides, okay, I'm not gonna drink any gin. Just gonna confront the CEO, where's my hanky, and then I'll and then that'll be it. She wouldn't add this confrontation to to announce that she would quit or anything. Because if she did quit, she wouldn't have the surplus of teeth that'll throw, fill her mouth as she kept drinking this gin. Unless she chose to sacrifice the gin. And that was a sacrifice she was not willing to make. There's something, something cerebral about Tooth Grinder. But she did pick one day, eventually, where she wouldn't drink any gin, and she, would loose, she was lucid enough where she went up and confronted the CEO. And she said, Mr. CEO. And he's just like, yeah. And she was just like, oh, uh, sorry, I, I guess that's not actually your name. And the CEO said, no, my last name's CEO. It's, that's how it's pronounced. It's not spelled like the initials, but like CEO is the correct pronunciation. Yes. And then Fran says, you've had my hanky for a year and a half now. And I know you said that you needed it for research for the sake of the company and to make Tooth Grinder the best it could be. And I love Tooth Grinder as much as the next person. But I need that hanky back. Because I discovered that I'm pregnant, and I'm going to keep the baby. And I need to know that that hanky is safe in my hands, so the day can come where I can pass it on to the next generation of my family. And Mr. CEO said, alright, that's a, that's a lot to unpack for me, okay. Well, but we're still using the seat to hanky for research. And then Fran said, well, show it to me. I need to know what it's used for. If you can convince me, then I won't bring the my lawyer in or the law or anything. And the CEO laughed and said, oh, the law. Yeah, we're aware of it, you know. It's just like a bug at our side, you know. Alright, let's go to the manufacturing plant for Tooth Grinder Gin, because that's where your hanky is. And then the CEO and Fran, they go to the lobby level, and they see uh, Benny getting some coffee at the resident coffee shop there, you know. And then the CEO says, hey Benny, wanna go on a joyride? And Benny's just like, hells yeah. 
So Benny joins him in this ride. So the CEO, Fran, and Benny, they're all driving to the manufacturing plant for the gin. From the outside, it looks like this big, dark, mysterious factory. Fran doesn't know what to make of it. It looks like some sort of mysterious dark warehouse from like a Batman comic in Gotham City or perhaps, you know, some sort of weird Lovecraft story that was actually good and used like a research of the region or something. But do they go they go to this dark factory. They go in and they see the distillery, they see the gin being made being placed in the bottles, and those bottles being labeled. They had the classic symbology of just a tooth in multiple pieces, multiple fractures, and then all those fractures were labeled like different parts of the brain. They thought it was really clever, clever, but it took them a while to realize that it didn't matter how they branded the gin. As long as people drank it, they knew they'd be into it hypnotized by it. So the CEO and Benny uh, bring Fran to where the hanky is. And the hanky is just outstretched with a lot of charts around it that analyze like its substances and whatnot. And then throughout the room, it's just a lot of different pharmaceutical manufacturing machines that try to recreate the substances that are analyzed on the hanky. And then Fran asks, well, what is this? And the CEO says, well, you see, this hanky has human substances from the past 150 years, which I'm sure you know. But we use these substances to manufacture flavors for our gin. It has snot, saliva, teardrops, semen. And we all orchestrate them. Pairing it with our citrus flavors and our grassy herbs to make the perfect gin. But the gin is not just perfect. We found a way to not only create a good flavor, or not just to create a good state of inebriation, we also create the gin to tamper with the mind. We don't deliberately manipulate everyone. But we do manipulate it to the point where it's just like, yes, more tooth grinder. And sometimes that has different side effects, you know. I mean, you probably read the reports that are tooth grinder gin have driven people insane. To do atrocious acts. Poor Benny here was just breaking into people's houses and stealing teeth. 
before we gave him the knowledge of how to start a, a prosperous country, a prosperous company, steal teeth in a way that was legal and also beneficial to other people, and for a way to get him paid well. And Benny said, yeah, I don't know where I'd be without Tooth Grinder. And then Mr. CEO said, yeah, that's right. So you see, we still need your hanky. It has DNA and fabric from generations of humans. Now, friend, seeing this, seeing the hanky, listening to the CEO, listening to Benny, realizing the deal that she brought herself to, tooth grinder free lucidity she realized how fucked up it was so in a quick spurt of inspiration she reaches and grabs the lacy hanky and storms out of the room the CEO and Benny try to chase after her she doesn't know what she's going to do next but she doesn't care it's the one day since she's worked for the company where her mind is free from the tooth grinder's influence. She runs past the assembly lines of people bottling the gin, the distillery, label makers and all that. All the cold machines and the people that have conformed to their whim. She sprints as far as she can until she makes a sharp turn and hits her head on a low ceiling and she falls. It disorients her, disorients her and she's bleeding. She can't get up. She feels like she has a concussion or something. And she's just lying there in delirium. And the CEO and Benny approach her overhead. And the CEO said, Oh, Fran, you should have just abided by the contract, you know. Could have had a lifetime of gin. And then Fran's just like, No, I don't care. future baby inside me will get this hanky whether you like it or not so in haste she just balls up the hanky and then just puts it in her mouth and then swallows it and the CEO and Benny look at each other and they think oh, what are we going to do about this hanky security guards come and they take Fran they put her in a room with a chair and a dental chair that was designed by Benny Benny and the CEO are in there and 
and says, No, you're not getting my lacy hanky. And the CEO says, Oh no, we don't need the hanky anymore. Not really. We've already found a way to synthetically create the substances on that fabric. In fact, we don't really need anything from you at this point. And then Francis is like, alright, well, I quit then. I don't care. I don't care what you do. And the CEO says, oh yeah, we know. So, uh, someone working in the factory a glass of the tooth grinder gin. The CEO says, go ahead. We'll just leave it on the table and try not to drink it. And Fran is just sitting there. She's sitting in the chair, just staring at the gin. Benny and the CEO are watching her. Brand being a marketing person didn't quite orchestrate her values in the way that she should have, perhaps. Perhaps she saved the company longer than she should have. So then she takes the gin and she takes a shot and puts a whole thing in her mouth. And then CEO and Benny laugh. As you can see, you couldn't even resist our teeth grinder gin. Yeah. Even while you're pregnant. And that struck a nerve in Fran. In a way that she tried to disguise. So knowing the uh, mind-altering effects of the gin... CEO orders his, uh, one of the guards there to unstrap Fran. The CEO and says, just, yeah, so I guess you're just gonna keep working for us, because you do want that gin, and you do want to have teeth while you have it. So then Fran gets close to him, and then spits out all the gin from her mouth. All over the CEO. And then Fran says, Ah, oh, it tastes like shit. And she just bolts and runs. Benny and some other guards try to catch her, but she ends up leaving the factory. And she gets in her car and leaves the property. Feels good to drive away, away from that job. From that sinister substance of tooth grinder gin. Then she sticks her fingers down her throat while she's driving and eventually regurgitates the hanky. And then as she's driving, when she reaches a stoplight, she just holds the hanky. And in relief, knowing that she can pass it down 
She just holds the ha lacy hanky to her chest. quarantine spook show. It sure was. Have a splendid evening.